welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, church, I am excited for our Lakeville campus opening, and I am excited for this series and uh, every year we do a giving series, and uh, this is no different. Uh, week one, we're going to talk about stewardship and tithing. Next week, we're going to talk about kingdom builders, and I love that all the campuses got their goals, and uh, I want every campus to be praying about that and going after their goal, and some of our campuses had record years last year. Faribault Campus had a record year with kingdom builders. Yeah, and there were just so many just wins there, and uh, then in week three of this series, George Camel is coming. Some of you know him through uh, uh, the Dave Ramsey Show. George Camel is the, more of the younger uh, presenter that's there. So he's going to be our guest in uh, two weeks. And so we're excited about this. And uh, I just want you, to, you know that um, every year we do this, and, and I believe this, that giving, when you look at how people handle money and what they do and what we believe as followers of Jesus, however we uh, handle it, it's like a barometer or a thermometer. It just tells us how we're doing. It's like if this gets right, it just seems like so many other things fall into place. And uh, after salvation, after people say yes to Jesus and they give him their life, they say, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. There's so many things that we preach on at the church and that we teach. Um, we talk about different disciplines that you should do and things that you should start doing in your life. We talk about things that people should eliminate from their life and get rid of these things. We talk about how to worship, how to pray, um, we talked about serving, and I love that we have joined a serve team. This is all part of things that we cover every year. Um, as, as I read through the Bible in January, I, I read through the New Testament every January, it just stood out to me, purity. And I know we preach on that often, but I, I just felt an overwhelming burden this year reading through the New Testament. Gotta preach on that on an annual basis, especially with um, the smartphones that we have and the iPads and the access that is there. These are things we preach on every year. Um, and then we preach on the Great Commission every year. We preach on the power of the Holy Spirit every year. These are things that are over and over again, and finances every year we preach on this so we can get it right. And I wanna let you know that we, I want the church to get this right so much so that we do the uh, Ramsey Plus, Financial Peace University for every person in the church. So if you wanna do that, we're the largest user of this, uh, over 3,000 unique uh, users in our church, that's families or individuals. It's all been paid for. And you can text the word Ramsey to 94,000. It will help you how to get out of debt, help you with wisdom on credit cards, insurance, buying cars, housing. It just, it helps you with your personal finances. So we're not gonna leave that alone. And so you could sign up for that even now. And I do wanna tell you this because we preach on this, you know, every year. Um, some of the stories that I'm gonna share are on like a, three to five year cycle. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, and so I, I, I've charted it and I've tried to make sure I don't do the same ones I did last year. And uh, sometimes I feel really good about it. Sometimes I feel like, oh, I already told that one, but it's new to some people. And uh, we have to do this. We have to focus on stewardship. And today I'm really gonna focus on the words uh, of stewardship and being a steward. Last time I did this was 2018 where I really focused on stewardship. It's important that we hit this um, and I especially want to talk to the um, younger members of our church. MSM, uh, or MSN.com did a survey 
And they found that Gen Z and millennials are obsessed with being wealthy. They are obsessed with it at a higher rate than previous generations. Gen Z, which is like 12 to 27 year olds, 44% of them are obsessed with being wealthy. And the millennials that are just the next uh, generation above that, 46% of them are obsessed with being wealthy. You say, well, what's the average? The, the national average is 27%. So you can see that the younger generation, something is going on. And I'm guessing it's social media. I'm guessing it's what we see on TV. It's, I'm guessing that we have more access to celebrities' lives. And I'm guessing that it's just the economy and just the growth of the wealth that is there. We have companies that are approaching trillions of dollars. And so they have this, what they said in this survey, money dysmorphia. And it's described as having a distorted view of one's finances that could lead them to make poor decisions. So if you're in that category, please don't opt out of this. Please jump in and say, I've got to get this right. I, I don't want to make bad decisions. I don't want to become um, slave to the lender, like what the Bible says. I don't want to have it destroy my life. And I can't tell you how many times I've counseled young marrieds where money is a big issue and it just brings a, a wedge between them. So we want to get this right. So City Campus, no opting out, all right? That's for you, uh, younger generation. When I go there, I feel like, yes, I lead the seniors ministry, you know? <laughs> That's how I feel, all right. But I love it, love it, love it. So let's look at stewardship, all right? And I'm gonna read a ton of scriptures and I'm just gonna, just forewarn, there was a gentleman at Woodbury campus, he's like, please don't read them so fast. I'm reading them double as fast, you know, twice as fast today. I have to, have to get through this. Um, but stewardship, stewardship is uh, saying this, it's a, a steward is a person employed to manage another's property. A steward is somebody who's employed to manage someone else's property. Someone who's entrusted with protecting, maintaining, nurturing, and growing things, a business, a farm, a household, some funds for someone else. A babysitter is a steward of the baby. They don't own the baby, they're just taking care of it. A manager of a store is a steward of the store. They don't own the store, they're just taking care of it. You're the person that does your financial advising and handles the money that's there. It's not their money, it's your money. They're taking care of it. They're a steward of it. We have stewards all around it. And we need to realize this, God owns everything I manage and steward it all. Everything I have has been entrusted to me. I'm not the owner. He owns it all. Everything I have comes from God, belongs to God. And I used to joke around um, uh, with my truck, and, but it was true. I, people say, can I borrow your truck? The youth group wanted to borrow my truck. And I'd be like, well, it's God's truck. He owns it all. And I'd say, but he doesn't like you to eat in it. So don't eat in God's truck. Okay. <laughs> but he owns it all. He really does. He owns it all. And I want to read some scriptures because the Bible makes it very, very clear that he owns it all. We have to understand that everything belongs to him. Psalm 3.8, and I'm gonna fire through these. Psalm 3.8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people. Salvation belongs to him. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord, Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. There's dual superlatives there, everything and all. And the Hebrew uh, word for everything means everything, and all means all. There's no trick to it. Like he owns everything, he owns it all. That's what the Bible says. Psalm 50, verse 10, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. If you don't know the story, there was a time when we were struggling in church financially. I said, God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Could you just sell one and give us the money? Like we're struggling. And I kid you not, 
Two weeks later, I got a letter in the mail and this guy wrote, hey, here's a check for $1,000. I was driving by some cows and God told me to send you this. Kid you not. I was like, praise God. He was like, God has a sense of humor. Like, all right, true, true story. It says, all, all the creatures on the planet, Psalm 50, verse 12, for the world and its fullness are mine. Psalm 74, verse 16, yours is the day, yours is the night. You've prepared the light and the sun. He's like, I own the day, I own the night, I own the light, I own the dark, I own it all. Psalm 89, 11, the heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and all it contains, you have founded them. All of creation, God's like, I own it. He says, in whose hands are the depths of the earth and the peaks of the mountains are his also. That means Mariana's Trench, he owns it. Mount Everest, he owns it. Like the highest, the lowest, he owns it. It's all there in Psalm 42, verse seven. It says, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. He doesn't just own the sea, he even owns the waves. He said, as the waves are going, I own the waves. I own the movement of the waves. That's mine. Psalm 148.8 says, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Like the weather is his. He owns the weather. And how many are glad that he's sending the snow to Michigan this year? <laughs> Praise God, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Send it to Michigan, all right. Leviticus 25.23. The land, moreover, shall not be sowed permanently, for the land is mine. This is God speaking. For you are but aliens and sojourners with me. God's like, I own the land. Leviticus 27, 30. Thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, and all the fruit of the tree, it's the Lord's, it's holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy 8, 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. He's like, I'm even giving you the power to make wealth. I, that's mine. That's my ability that I'm giving you. I'm letting you have the power. Deuteronomy 10, 14. Behold, to the Lord your God belong the heavens and the heavens of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. It's a Hebraic way of like, they would write to really emphasize, like he owns it all. The heavens are the heavens. He owns it all. It's like times infinity, like he owns it all. It all belongs to him. In the book of Job, we see Job 41, 11, God speaking, he said, who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Haggai chapter two, verse eight, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. I was once in a house that had a 7,000 square foot vault, a 7,000 square, like think about that, 7,000, that was the vault in this house. And there was a sign in front of the vault because they stored gold and silver there. It says, the, the gold is mine and the silver is mine. I was like, you better be referring to God or he'll like, he'll crush your vault, all right? <laughs> I don't care. First Corinthians six nineteen. do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God. You are not your own, your body. God's like, it's mine. Like, I, I, I own it. Like, you understand this. First Corinthians 10, 26, for the earth is the Lord and all it contains. Revelation 4, 11, talking about how worthy God is. And it says, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created all of it belongs to God. And when you live that way, when you understand that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I've given you my life. I've made you my Lord and Savior. You own everything 
You handle money and your resources differently. You really do start to think, well, that is God's truck and that is God's boat and that is God's house and what does God want me to do with this money that he's placed in my hand because I'm a steward. I don't own it. God owns it all. And there's still people that are like, well, I feel like I own it and I made it. And there's an arrogance to some people on earth and I'm just in awe of this arrogance. David Jeremiah told a joke about this, the arrogant agnostic that was standing before God. He said, God, it's no big deal. You created that, like anyone can create. And God said, oh, anyone can create? He says, yeah, anyone can. He goes, all right, go ahead, create something. And the guy bends down to the dirt and goes to make something and God goes, get your own dirt. God made it all. He made the dirt. He made it all. Don't be arrogant. Don't think like, yeah, look at how great I am. No, look at how great God is and look at what he's entrusted to you and look at what he's given to you. And he says, now steward it, manage it, take care of this. Now, I'm gonna open this up because I wanna just share this for the church. Um, I gotta tell you, one of the things that's so enjoyable about writing sermons is just the all, all the aha God moments you have. Like you're writing and then pff, you just like, you're having a God moment after God moment as you're writing this and he's speaking to you and, and, and there's just so many. And I, I looked at this one, I was like, this is incredible. When I look at this, God owns everything and I'm gonna open this up for you right now. God even owns your sin. God owns it. You think, God owns my sin? Let me just back this up. On the day of atonement, the day of atonement was when the Jewish people would come together and they would then have that day would cover their sins. There would be a day of fasting. Today it would be called Yom Kippur. They would be fasting and it would be a day where God would say, today we cover your sins. Your sins are covered, okay? That was pointing to Jesus dying on the cross, that he would pay the price for our sins. He paid the price for them. That's where 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So he says, guess what? I'm gonna make Jesus sin. And he's saying, guess what? He's gonna become the sin offering. Now you gotta understand the word for the sin offering in the day of atonement was the word kata. And the kata meant it was the sin offering, but it was also the sin. And when it talks about Jesus, it's saying he became the kata and he became the sin offering and the sin. He's like, I paid the price for your sin. He owns that. Now track with me for a second. When you die and you never ask for forgiveness of your sins and you still are holding onto your sins, you die with stolen property. He owns it. And then he's like, well, now you're a thief and you never ask forgiveness and you're dying with soul and property and that separates you from me and there's a punishment for that. And he says, guess what? You don't have to, I already paid the price. I own your sins. I paid the price for your sins. And if you ask me to forgive you of that, I'll own that and forgive you. Wow, he owns everything, everything. And even today in the service at the end, when we give the opportunity for people to say yes to Jesus, he's saying, I already paid for your sins. I paid, the, I own everything. I paid the price for your sins. Will you ask for forgiveness and let me have them? Because I paid the price for them and you can die without that sin and you can be forgiven. What a beautiful thing. Let's just pause for a moment and pray for the altar call at all of our campuses at the end of this, that he owns it. He paid the price. He is the sacrifice Lord, I just pray even right now at the end of the service 
that people are gonna realize, I don't have to hold on to this anymore. You paid the price for it. You own everything on this earth, but God, you paid the price for my sins, and God, I willingly release them to you. You paid the price. And so, God, I just pray today that there'd just be a response at all of our campuses that people would say, yes, I willingly relinquish that and ask for forgiveness because you paid the price. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we thank God that he paid the price? He owns it all. Now, also in the Hebrew culture and in the language, We've just seen that he, he owns it all. He owns it all. There really isn't a sense of deep ownership of anything really in the Hebrew culture in this way. And when it comes to land, God's like, I want to even illustrate this. When you have land, you don't even own the land. Like, that's my land. And he would tell to the Jewish people, you can only lease it for 50 years. And at the end of 50 years, you got to give it back to whoever originally had it because you're only leasing. Like, you really don't even own it. And did you know that even to this day, you can only sign a 50-year lease in Israel? You can only sign a 50-year lease because it's acknowledging he owns it all. Everything is from him. He owns everything. It's a beautiful thing. We are simply stewards of everything that he places in our hands. When we place our life into his hands, when we give him our sins and we say, God, you paid the price, now I'm living for you. He's like, all right, now here's what I've given to you and I want you to be a steward of it. Take care of it. Use it for my glory and for my honor. Honor me with that. And we should be stressing that out. Like, uh, there's a responsibility. There's a, there's a like, I, 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 I have to give account. Do you know that you're gonna get a job evaluation someday? When we stand for, like, what did you do with all that I gave you? How did you handle that as a steward? You're gonna give a job evaluation. Like, this is what I did with it. I, I, I gotta tell you, that stresses me out some days. And, and Becca and I, we're, we're like, okay, let's raise our percentage. Let's raise our percentage. I mean, we were stressing even this year, like our setting our new kingdom builder goal. I'm like, it, it, is that enough? And then like, there's times where we're like, well, that felt, e should we go even more? What is God speaking to us? How should we do this? And if, and if it wasn't for this wrestling with this, I don't even know how I'd make purchases throughout the year. Because we just settle it. We're like, okay, we just feel like God's saying, this is how much we're gonna give. This is where we're gonna keep. Like, we have an incredible opportunity as stewards. Like, how many know we even get to set our own salary? God's like, I've entrusted you with all this. Now you set your salary. Oof. Now, I've used this story before, but I gotta share it because I'm just thinking about it. One time I was bringing money back for a missionary from uh, another country, and I can't remember exactly what country it was, but they said, hey, the law allows you to transfer $9,900, you know, just under $10,000, and we'd like you to bring this back, and uh, we wanna give you $9,900 to be a steward and bring back to us, and we need to pay this thing over there. And they said, you can keep whatever, whatever you feel is fair. whatever I feel is fair. Like, I, I was like, I don't know. I mean, I've risked my life. That might be worth $9,900. And then I was like, but it's, it's missionary money. Like, what in the world? Like, and, and they just left it at that. Whatever you think is fair. Like, you're the steward. You're taking it from here to there. You decide. I remember I was just like, I was so stressful. I like, I mean, I didn't know. Like, and it cost me $20 to wire it. So I will definitely take the 20 out. I'm not going to lose. And then I, was, I had like a $200 bill that was staring me in the face. And I was like, all right, I, 
I owe $200 for this thing and it would really make a difference in my life. So I kept $220. I think today I would not even keep the $20. But at the time I was a youth pastor, come on, 220 changed my life. <laughs> You're steward. You're a steward, and you should have that same thinking of like, God, it's your money, and, I, and everything belongs to you, and I'm handling it, I'm taking care of it. Lord, for your glory, I wanna give a good return. If you gave a FedEx package to the FedEx delivery person, and they took it home and, and put it in their house, you'd be like, no, no, that was never the purpose. You were supposed to take that package and get it to where I wanted it to go, okay? I mean, you're a steward, you're a house manager. The, the word for steward really means house manager. House manager, if you're a Batman fan, that's Alfred. Alfred's taking care of the house. He's not cruising around in the Batmobile. It's like, he's taking care of things. You're a house manager. And the overarching message in the Bible is that we're steward for him. Randy Alcorn says this, as long as I hold tightly to something, I believe I own it. But when I give it away, I relinquish control, power, and prestige. When I realize that God has a claim not merely on the few dollars I might choose to throw in an offering plate, not simply 10% or even 50%, but on 100% of my money, and he's like, my money, it's revolutionary. If I'm God's money manager, I'm not God. Money isn't God. God is God. So God, money, and I are each put in our rightful place. God's God. What I have is I'm being a steward of it and I'm worshiping him with this and I'm honoring him this. And so again, like sweating out the details. Like I remember when he, again, handling that money. What do I keep? How much do I keep? So as we look through the Bible, I see over and over a, 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 an example that's there. It's the word tithe. It's a math word. It means 10%. And I believe that like many people have said, like that's the training wheels. That's the starting point. And people will argue and I, I I get so tired of people arguing because usually they argue and they want to give less and, and, and I, don't want to, I don't want to give less, I want to keep giving more and I keep thinking how much more can I give and how much more can I do? But I believe we start with the tithe and one theologian said it's like over and over again, it's like the obvious hint or tell or, or clear expectation that God's like, it's a tithe, it's 10th. And he says, the first 10th belongs to me. By the way, it all belongs to me, but the first 10th, you honor me and do that. And as I've studied the Bible, the tithe predates the law. It's in Genesis 14 and Genesis 28. It's in the law. Moses, you know, it's in the law. It's, it's endorsed by Jesus. Let me just go through a quick survey. And, and again, I, I preach on this every year, so you could go back, like, find it online for the last, like, I know at least to 2018. And I mean, I'm, I was reading all the old sermons on giving and tithing, and I was like, oh, that's a good one, that's a good one. That's, all right, two more years until I can bring that one back. All right, yeah. <laughs> But let me just go through it again. In Genesis, we have Cain and Abel. Cain, it says, which by the way, we're reading our soap right now in Genesis. It, I was just, it just stood out to me like Cain brought some and Abel brought first fruits. And God's like, I love what he's doing. And Hebrews implies that Cain and Abel, that Abel's had a weight to it and Cain's didn't. So we see, here's them giving right there. Abraham is tithing because he's grateful. He's like, God, you've given me this victory. Jacob says, you are my Lord and my God, and I'm gonna tithe. Like this is happening before there is law. Then in the law with Moses, we have the tithe, and then it grows beyond that because not only is it taking care of God's mission, it's taking care of a nation. And he's like, I'm gonna expand. There's other tithes and other things that you're gonna do to take care of this group and this group and this group, so it expands. 
We see a rebuke in the book of Malachi with a tithe because God's like, it belongs to me. You're not giving it to me. And if you wanna return to me, bring back the tithe. In the New Testament, Jesus references the tithe. He endorses the tithe. And then he goes to radical giving. Like if you really wanna go to what Jesus talked about, he's like, if you have two tunics, give one away. That's 50%. He said to the rich ruler, sell everything. Like that's 100%. Like, you know, you understand, like these people, like it's radical giving with Jesus, radical. Like he's like, oh yeah, that was training wheels. Like wait till you really ride on a dirt trail of giving and go for it, all right? You see that um, Hebrews even explains in Hebrews 7, 8, it's talking about Jesus and it's saying that he receives the tithe. It says, in the one case, the 10th is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. Like when we tithe, we're giving it to God. Jesus received it. Paul builds on it and expands on this. The, he's like, come on, be generous. God loves a hilarious giver. Be generous, don't stop, keep going. And by the way, in the Old Testament, they were never like stopping at tithe. They were always allowed to give free will offerings over that. God's like, start there, but just keep going, keep going. And how many know you love it when your kids keep going and they're so generous? And he's like, so they go there and Paul builds on it, expands on it. And the early church fathers for the first three to 400 years uh, adhered to it and taught it. Now we go up from there. We're gonna talk about that next week with Kingdom Builders, which I am just in awe of the ability that we've been able to live blessed to be a blessing and to go up from the tithe. We see as stewards, like we're like, God, we're on mission. We gave you our life. You took our sins. They were yours. You paid for them. And now I'm living for you and I'm bringing this first tenth there and I'm gonna live on mission for you. And the, the thing I see is we bring it to the local church or to your online church. And I thank God for those that say, you are our church. We're online, we're remote, we're there, we're deployed, we're whatever. This is our church and we give that there. I thank God we even have prisoners that send in their tithe that are like, this is my church and I'm in awe of the $2.43 tithe with a stamp on it. I'm just like, praise God for these people saying we're part of it. But we bring it to the local church and you say, it's organized that way. Like every church is organized and you have leadership and you have people that are being stewards of what's even given at the church. Some people are like, well, I just like to give it wherever, whatever, whatever. And I just think that's so disorganized. Think about this. And I'm, I was thinking of this illustration, I'll share it. When I was in college, I'd be leaving and flying away to college in Louisiana and mom would take me aside and she'd go, hey, don't tell your dad, here's a little money. And I'd be like, not saying anything. And then dad would take me aside, hey, don't tell your mom. Was a little something. I was like, I'm not telling anybody. I didn't tell anybody till I graduated, huh? Ruining it for my brothers, all right. But you know, if you're like, oh, I gave it here, 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 it's just kind of disorganized. You don't even know what's going on. But when you bring it to the local church, you said, I'm building my church and you feel it, it goes on mission. And by the way, the tithe is, we've referred to it like before as general fund. Like, I think that's a terrible name. It's the church life fund. It pays for the kids ministry, the youth ministry, the men's, the women's, the small groups, the training, the pastors and all of the staff. It pays for the care, the custodial, the equipping, the worship, the tools that we need, including the buildings. It pays for the insurance. The 10% right off the top that we give to world missions pays for all the bills, all the utilities and our reserves. I mean, the tithe keeps the church alive and moving forward. 
We have 13 venues, some of them we rent, some of them we own, and we're trying to be good stewards. And even as elders, we're just like, uh, how many more do we wanna own and how many wanna rent and what's good financial stewardship and can we ever get debt free? And praise God, if somebody wrote a check for 28 million, we would do it. And uh, I mean, you know, like we're just trying to be great, good stewards. You say 20 million, but I think our assets of the buildings are worth way more than that. We return it to him and it belongs to him. We do this because he saved us, he changed our life. He paid the price for our sins. We gave those to him and we said, God, thank you for forgiving us. And now we wanna just fuel your church. We want others to know this. We believe in this. And to anybody that's skeptical or critical, um, nobody's forced to do, like we want to do this. And when you talk to tithers, you know what words you're gonna hear? Joy, excitement, anticipation, gratefulness, overwhelmed, can't believe this. God says he's gonna pour out the windows or open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings in Malachi. And I just see like the 90%, I can't explain it, the 90% goes farther with God's blessing on it than if I held the, 10, the 100%. I just see that over, he's like, watch this, I'll do this. And here's something that it says in Malachi that I want you to understand and I'll close with this and maybe one more illustration if I have time. The Bible says in Malachi that when we tithe, when the children of Israel tithe, that he would rebuke the devourer. And that's why when I say, when you start tithing and you're honoring God, and you're like, you own it all and, and you, you let me keep so much and here's the tithe to you. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer. And a lot of us are like, well, I don't even worry about that one. Can I tell you, outside the Western world, they see that one and say, praise God that he rebukes the devourer. In the Western world where we live, we're so industrialized, I mean, we, we have airbags and warning signs and vitamins and locks and safes and security system and weed killer and insurance. You know, insurance says there is a devourer. Like you're insuring against the devourer. And we do that, we gather together, but a lot of people in the rest of the world don't even do these things. Like we're living our life trying to hedge against the devourer and try to keep the devourer away. And they're like, man, I, I don't have all that but I'll trust God and I'll place it in his hands and I'll watch how he'll rebuke the devourer and keep him away and he'll take care of me. And I want you to understand that when you honor God, he's, he's blessing that, he's rebuking the devourer and he's like, you're fueling my mission. And, and then he speaks just about what more does he want us to give? See, he owns it all and it's really a test. And I'll close with this one tonight. I love this illustration, but it really did happen. I really did do this. I didn't originate this illustration. If somebody else did, and I actually took my kids to McDonald's and did it. I wanna see if it would work, and it did, all right? Took the kids to McDonald's, and I ordered Happy Meals for them and upsized their fries, and I ordered a meal for me with no fries. And as we were eating, I reached over, and I grabbed some of the kids' fries. I'll never forget, it was at the Apple Valley McDonald's. I reached over, and I grabbed some of their fries, and they said, hey! Those are our fries. I just, and I was like, the illustration worked perfect. Like exactly, this is just exactly like the guy said the kids would do and they did it exactly. And I said, you don't wanna share your fries? And they're like, these are our fries. I said, well, who bought you those fries? And you could just see, you could see them like, oh boy. <laughs> so I bought those fries. I said, matter of fact, I could go up there and buy more fries right now. I could buy as many fries. I could bury you two in fries right there. <laughs> I did say that. I said, do you think you'd want to share 
fries or the person that bought you the fries? And you could just see the light go off. And they both were like, yeah. And it was almost like at that point, they were like, we don't even want fries. Like, whoever likes these fries? Like, they just were like, we want to give you. And I was like, no, no, I just want a few fries. And it just made me understand, like, God's like, you know what? I could cover you with French fries. I could bury you in French fries. I don't need your money. I want you to, I want to see if you understand that I own it all, that you're stewarding it, that I've given you everything. And I want to see that your heart understands where everything you have is coming from. And so we honor the Lord with the tithe. We honor the Lord and go up from there in generous, radical generosity. And we say, you own it all, God. Thank you. Thank you for letting me steward this little bit. And thank you, God, for forgiving me of my sins. So Lord, I just pray right now that you'd help us to realize that. You own it all, you've given it to us, and we steward it. It's a heart thing. I just pray we're gonna live differently and we'd sweat it out. How much do we wanna keep? How much do we wanna give? What percentage do you want from this year? What amount? And we'd live wanting to bring glory and honor to your name. You own it all. You own it all. So we gratefully, gladly, joyfully say, God, help us to be stewards and help us to give generously, starting with the tithe and going way beyond that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.